Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. You don't have to say oof every time. We've been doing this for a month now. Anyway, welcome to Kazakhstan, year zero. Hey, I know this place, and I finally understand your pun from last week. This is the birthplace of the apple. Easy, Casey, easy. Whoa, boy. It's okay. I understand your distaste, but this is your final trial. After this, the fate of Completely Arbitrary will be saved, if you succeed. Heavy, dude. Follow me to this apple grove. Okay, we're here. (laughs) Alex, look! Wow. It is uh, two chairs kind of facing each other, but also cheating out toward uh, like an audience, but there's no audience. And then there's a table with a plant on in, in between on a plant on the table in between us and two microphone stands with microphones and some recording equipment like a laptop. And there's an audio interface. Precisely. Here, among the ancient apple trees, you will record Apple II, a follow-up to one of your most inflammatory episodes ever. Uh, Alex, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure I can do this. Yes, you can, Casey. We can. I believe in you and I believe in us. This tree deserves an unbiased assessment, damn it. And if not us, who? With these recording tools and this apple grove as your studio, you have everything you need. And this is also where we say goodbye. Good. Goodbye. Tobin, are, are, you, are you dying? I'm just leaving. I'm off to fight the war. What war? The Maccabean Revolt. Oh, uh, what side are you fighting for? <laughs> <laughs> it's an appropriate case. But Tobin, how will we get home? I've taken care of that. Come here, boy. <laughs> Your very own time-traveling stump. But Tobin... Your guidance has been invaluable. How will we know when to use it? <laughs> You'll know. I just winked again. Oh, oh well, it's okay. Set up and pay off. Okay, I see what he did there. Yeah, okay. Goodbye, boys! And good luck! Goodbye, Tobin. We won't let you down. Goodbye. Thank you for being on our show. I'll invoice you! Well, Casey... There's only one thing left to do. Live from ancient Kazakhstan, it's completely arbitrary! What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary Excellent Adventure, the podcast about trees and other related topics. Dude, I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson, and as always, I am accompanied by... The man, the myth, the legend, Casey Clapp. What's up, everyone? I am the myth, Casey Clapp. 
wow, I can't believe a modern myth in my own living room. Yep. You ever seen something so transitory <laughs> and ephemeral? I thought you were going for mythological. What? No, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, um, ether. If you are of the ether. Oh, ethereal. Ethereal. Thank yes, you. Okay, I love that word. I appreciate that. Have you ever seen something so ethereal, Alex? <laughs> Not... Not in a dog's age. Well, all right. Um, Casey. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. Thank you, Alex. It is just quite afternoon. Um, this is our fourth and final episode. Of Excellent Adventure. Of Excellent Adventure. It's right. been, I mean, I, it's been listen. millions of years. People, I, I don't mean this ironically. It's been an excellent adventure, I have oh, to say. Oh, Alex. Low hanging fruit. It's true. Uh-huh. Well, I think that this has been a very excellent adventure. We've had, uh, we've gone places. We've experienced things and times I never thought we'd have the opportunity to experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we're doing today. You know what we're talking about. That's a great response to somebody making a joke, right? Oh. Uh, oh. Uh-huh. That was oh. joke. <laughs> yes, and here we are in Kazakhstan. I've never been. Uh, year it's, zero. It's pretty nice out here. Yeah, year zero, which, you know, I should say, it's uh, that's, I don't know how accurate that Listen, number is. it's a joke. Who gets these jokes? No one. Oh. I think more people than we think. Yeah, right, oh. that's fair. <laughs> uh, Casey, I told you before we started recording. Yeah. I have uh, a, a little anecdote for you. Okay. What do we got? This is not just an anecdote. I will call this a revelation. Oh, shit. I had a tree thing really click for me Ooh. this last weekend. Really? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell us more. I was driving uh, around Portland. And that's true. I don't ride a bike. I'm sorry, everyone. You will. You will find that you'll like bikes. I love bikes. Get on a it's bike. not like I've never ridden one before. I just, right. mine is broke as fuck. And I'm also broke as fuck. I can't get my broke as fuck All bike right. repaired. All right. All right. Okay. I saw a tree. Okay. And I believe it was a horse chestnut. Okay. And I looked up at it and I saw these palmately compound leaves. Yeah. And as I looked at them, and recognize them for what they are. Dirty snakes. <laughs> Those dirty snakes. I see who you are. <laughs> I, it clicked for me that a com... So when we say compound, like my, my favorite term is binately, bipinately compound. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I always mix this up. This has happened several times where I'm like, oh, this is a bipinately compound. And you're like, oh, actually, no, Alex, it's just pinately compound. Yes. Um. <clears throat> Compound leaf yeah. just means, and its simplest definition, I think, okay. a leaf that is made of leaflets. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it. And I know I know that this is like a no-brainer, but this is this has been sort of like I don't know, I just kind of like ignored the definition and it really clicked <laughs> for me. When you see it live in the real world. Yeah, and it, it yeah. took a lot of that, a lot of those times yeah, for this yeah. concept to click for me. Well, this makes me just so warm and fuzzy inside, <laughs> so, Alex. So, compound leaf is just a leaf that's made of leaflets. So, anything yes. that like looks like a leaf, but it has several like 
independent leaves off of it. Yeah. That is a, those are leaflets that create a compound leaf. Yes. And the, the best way that I describe it is that a compound leaf is a leaf where that leaf blade is broken up into two or more pieces. That's that great. aren't connected. Yeah, that's perfect. I think I sort of conflated pinnately compound for compound. It's like, what What else could it yeah, be? Yeah, I see. But now I realize, like a horse chestnut, mm-hmm. it's palmately compound. Palmately. Look at the palm of your hand. Yeah. You see the fingers coming out from the center of your palm. That's exactly right. And then pinnately, which is a main, a single stem down the middle. Yes. And uh, oppositely or alternately arranged leaves. Uh, yes, leaflets. leaflets along the side. Yeah. yeah. And that, um, uh, pinnately is feather-like. Yes. Okay, so good. Oh, that. yes. Perfect. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. And then bipinnate yes. would be a pinnately compound leaf Correct. with double leaflets. Yes. So the leaflets are broken up into leaflets. Yes, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. Casey, we are here to talk about Apple Ooh, again. Boy, are we? Is I, it again or is it for the first time? Oh, wow. Nobody time knows. travel. This would this would be the first time because we are, are 2000 years in the past. Exactly. Yeah. Um but I am so sorry, Casey, and I hope you got uh okay. I hope you were able to sleep last night. <laughs> I was. I was I was able to sleep last night. Uh you know, just uh, looking forward to it. Have you, you cry yourself to sleep is what it is. I imagine you pacing around all night like you have a big important meeting in the morning and you're <laughs> dreading it. Just I don't want to do it. I don't want to yeah. get up in front and say this is a horrible idea. Why are we here? <laughs> no, Alex. Actually, I think this is going to be a, a lovely story today. Wow. I, I'm excited about it. And also, you might be surprised. I have found a way to vindicate myself. Oh my God! The unvindicatable becomes vindicated. <laughs> That's right. Hey, we've got plenty of Apple talk here on Arbitrary's Excellent Adventure, but we must do so after a break and a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back with more completely arbitrary. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary's Excellent Adventure. Today we are How fantastic. once again talking Apple. Malice, I won't say Domestica. No, please don't, Alex. Because today we are talking about an ancient species of Apple, the OG. Exactly. Which is? Malice Servzii, or... Severzii. Severzii. Malik's Severs EI. So it's like like someone is named John Severs and then II at the end. So it makes there, there's like uh, so many vowels that sound exactly the same. It's just a mess, isn't it? Yes. S I E V E R S I I. 
I'm going to say Cyversii. Cyversii. Okay. Cyversii. Uh, Malice Cyversii, I'm going to say. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. Cyversii. Cyversii. Yes. All right, we're going to stick with Cyversii. Okay. Malice Cyversii. Now, before we go any further, I'd like to note the scientific name Malice is Latin for evil. That's a really good thing to just put on the table I'm before just, the conversation. Uh, yeah, exactly. Before we start talking and negotiating, uh-huh. I set my pistol on the table. Right. This is Chekhov's gun. Exactly. I want you to know that I'm serious about this. <laughs> set my pistol. So that is the tree we're talking about. And um, a little bit of a history on this. Everyone's familiar by now uh, with my distaste, displeasure, yeah. dissatisfaction with the apple. It's like one of the four things I know about you. Which is good. It's one of the four things that I think everyone knows about me. Mm-hmm. They, you, you like Google Casey Clap. And then the next things that they fill in, mm-hmm. uh, one I found is, uh, or someone told me about, is tattoos. And oh. then another one is ologies, uh-huh. podcast, uh-huh. and apple. Really? Yeah. So I think uh, it's at least it's one of the things that come up. So apparently uh, Apple is at least as famous as my tattoos and me being, you know, related to in some uh, some worldly way, Allie Ward. It is a finalist. Yeah. So I'm happy with that. Um, And that's okay. I'm here today (sighs) to give the Apple its due because we also had uh, there's a um, one of our listeners reached out uh, now just about a year or so ago. Wow! And timely, yes, quite timely. Actually, maybe it's closer to two years. It was when we did uh, our Apple to begin with, our very first Apple, October 2021. Yes. Okay. So that was a lot of fun, but. Uh, they were very upset because uh, they reached out to me on Instagram mm-hmm. and they said, well, you know, the apple uh, actually comes from a different apple from Kazakhstan. Right. And I was very thankful. I was like, hey, wonderful. I'm glad you brought that up. We'll definitely talk about that on the show. We then did a podcast about Malice Domestica. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the, you know, Johnny Appleseed and all the other things that apples, you know, are famous for and what I uh, find them to be loathsome for. Right. Then this uh, listener reached back out and was irate that we had not talked about the things that I said we would talk about. Was this person legitimately irate? I'm not sure. It's always hard to tell with emails. Yeah. Uh, but they were, they sent uh, screenshots of the conversations that we had. And they also sent uh, a lot of information that was very helpful, you know, information. Um, But can I just say really quickly? Oh, please, Alex. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Uh, I I appreciate that. It's not friendly. Uh, You you know, it's hard to read things in certain ways. I will say sometimes Uh, tone. You never know. Well, as it happens. Um, I read through it, and uh, because of my position here, Alex, as one of the uh, the head content creators, uh, in front of a team of dedicated, dedicated researchers, uh-huh. uh, as well as our uh, um, our Casey index. Right, your Jerry, your Carl, exactly. your Frank. They're all back there. Uh, what is? I feel like that's just like these 1950s like madmen just smoking cigarettes with like very circular glasses. Well, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm uh, I'm specifically uh, referencing Succession. Oh, Logan yes. Roy's uh, senior team. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And yeah, that's a good point. But yes. So. Uh, in this case, um, our our listener, uh, which is totally fine, I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus here, mm. they messaged and missed that we were talking about Malice 
Domestica. Yeah. It was exclusively what we were talking about. So today I stand and I will hold my ground vindicated mm. that now today yes. we will talk about the original Apple and give the due that um, this listener was really requesting. I only think it's fair because we generally talk about not varieties, you know? We also did this with the Arborvita sure. and the White Cedar. I mean, this is this is part of this whole excellent adventure is, it is. is uh, some some justice for these trees that we that we accidentally wronged. Right. And, and then and then a couple that uh, we we decided halfway through. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> that was the that, theme. That's very fair. <laughs> so in this case, um, the, there is a species of apple uh, yes. that we did. It's called the Malus domestica. It turns out Malus domestica, the domesticated apple, mm-hmm. is an artifact of humanity. This is interesting. Yeah. So are you familiar, Alex, with the idea of a of an artifact in the yes. way that I'm referring to? I believe so. Give us an example. Or rather, give us a give well, us your idea. I honestly know mostly about artifacts from movies and video games and Magic the Gathering. Okay, yeah. I mean that's that's I think probably more accurate to what we're talking about. Sort of like a legendary physical item. Ah, okay, right? yeah. Right? Like this. This sword is an artifact. Ah, uh, yeah, you from like a very, very it. long time ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. or this uh, this book, you know, it has secrets untold. It's an uh, artifact yeah. from the from the tomes of this Other wizard, time, right? Maybe. Yeah. Well, that is that's accurate, but artifact also refers to something that comes from. Uh, from humanity in some way. Okay. So an artifact could be a geologic change in the world. Hmm. Where it's an artifact of humanity. Oh. Of the existence of humans. It's not specifically something that we made, got buried, and you dig it up again. You find, oh, there's this artifact, this sword. It's also just something that exists. I do know this definition. Okay. From video and like ah, digital media okay yeah if you like if you like compress a video uh-huh. there'll there'll be like what you would call artifacts yes and that's like you created this thing by changing this other thing correct yeah, i think okay. that that is probably closer to the definition we are talking okay about. yes interesting so, okay yeah so the apple you can you can dig up you know an apple and say wow look this apple uh, I found this apple seed in this place that this species of apple is not native to. Yeah. That would be a, a physical artifact. But also the idea of an apple, the whole species that we now call Malus domestica, is an artifact of human existence, a la the dog versus the wolf, where the wolf is the native, wide-ranging you know, animal that exists in the world mm. that existed before and completely independent of humans. Then there's the domesticated dog, which in the scientific literature, if you look up the scientific names, one is Canis lupus, and uh-huh. that is the wolf. And then there's Canis lupus familiarianus, I think is how you say it. Oh, Again, that's, and that's canine? Exactly. It's like the familiar wild wolf is the dog. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this was a uh, a breeding thing. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Now, the thing with uh, the apple we're talking about today is that it's not only a case of uh, explicit human breeding, but it's also uh, another example of an anachronism. But instead of being an anachronism, 
like the Osage Orange mm-hmm. or the Kentucky Coffee Tree, this one found a buddy in the modern times to send it through to the future. Wow. Hey, a Tobin Mitnick to our uh, host of Completely exactly. Arbitrary. Exactly. Huh? Wow. Did you plan this, Casey? No. Get out of here, <laughs> Alex. Casey, I'd love to pause for a moment. Just check in with everybody. How's everybody doing? I googled the etymology of artifact. Yeah, because I was I was so I was so curious. So taken by it comes from um, the uh, so I'll just I won't go too far back, mm-hmm. but I'll go to the Italian. Yeah, uh, from the lat, which comes from the, so which is artefatto. <laughs> Sorry for that uh, pronunciation. I like it. That comes from the Latin arta, which is by skill. Oh. And where we get the word art. Yeah. And factum, which is thing made. Ah. So a thing made by skill. Exactly. Okay. So that, um, that would be, you know, you, you dig a hole that is an artifact, but also it's not necessarily an artifact. Because an artifact, they seem to be referring to in, a, in that strict sense of the sword, the thing you find. The thing that was made and then... Uh, like you find later, I guess. Potentially, but I think you could you could extrapolate uh, by skill to be like, or excuse me, thing made to yeah. be to be like human, a human. Mm, yeah, yeah. This comes from a human. It's it was of made. Humans. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think that makes sense, and I, I um, think um, I think I like the term in in these larger and salt and smaller ways. You know, it's a very yeah. scalable term, and I yeah. like that. I love words like that. Ooh, that's that's a great definition. By the way, factum, where we get factory. Yeah. You know where things are made. Ah, nice. Yeah. Ah, God, I'm I love that etymology. It makes sense, <laughs> man. You it makes you think that way back when we had like. 25 words and then they all just you know we just added different things to them and made them to new yeah Yeah. nice all right well we last time uh we talked about an app but we talked a little bit about how to identify it yes let's let's uh get let's do a little overview we'll do a little quick overview now the apple that we're talking about again we decided to call this malice cyversii 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 and it's a small tree, and you're going to be amazed. It looks exactly like an orchard apple. There you go. So the orchard apple, they're small trees, maybe up to 25, 30 feet tall. Mm-hmm. They have alternately arranged leaves, and sometimes those leaves will be kind of clustered on little spur shoots, and then other times they'll be singly born, especially at the end of a new fast-growing twig or a new sprout that's coming up. Okay. And their leaves are generally uh, single Simple with little serrations around the edge. Their petioles are maybe an inch or so long. They're not really anything extraordinary. You know what? I love apple leaves. You do? Yeah. You just think, what, what is it about? In the same way I like cherry leaves. I just like rose family leaves, I think. I guess that's fair. All right. They, yeah, little they, serrations. Just, mm-hmm. You like the serrations, And they're Alex. soft and kind of, ve- not velvety. They but kind of are, yeah. They're a little bit velvety. Yeah, they have like little tiny pubescence on them. Yeah. 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 All yeah. right. That's fair. I'll give it to you. They're I cute. They're okay. sweet. They're tender. They're cute. They're sweet. They're tender. You think, you would think it's a little child. <laughs> just come over there, rustle its hair a little bit, play with yeah. it, a little peek behind the tree <laughs> i like this so they also uh they of course make little teeny tiny flowers usually about right now april and may the apples that mm. we would um want to if you saw an apple blooming uh it would be right now so right now uh if you're listening to this it is early may 20 wait when are we 
Uh, excuse me, it's the year zero Thank in Kazakhstan. You. Oh my God! Yeah, year zero. <sighs> Man, time travel is really sickening your it mind. It really is. But is it still technically May? Has May been invented yet? Uh, no. All right. Let's just say early spring. There you uh, go. It's year zero, Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. You go outside, you're going to find all these little blooms coming out. Yeah. They're five-petaled because everything in the rose family is five-petaled. That's right. Or all of their parts are in five, including their stamens and their pistils and everything. And they are adorable little flowers. Usually there's a little tiny bit of pink on them, but you can find nowadays cultivars that have like intensely pink flowers mm-hmm. or ones that are not quite as pink or somewhere anywhere in between. Now, our OG flower is generally going to be a white or minutely pink. This is the one we're going to find here in Kazakhstan okay. as we're walking around the Tian Shen Mountains. Right. So, the fruit, it is a yellow-green, small little circular fruit, and it can get anywhere between three and eight centimeters. So, if you are adding mm. it up, it would be like a small, normal apple. You go out into the, the woods, and it would be enough to kind of fill your palm, mm-hmm. but your fingers would like almost be touching. Kind of, I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of imagining like what we would call crab apple. Yeah, it's just a little bit bigger than that. Okay. Because crab apples, um, most of the time, are about the size of a quarter or a really big marble. Oh. So they can be really tiny. Really? Yeah. Okay. And so if we go to the store today, or rather in the future when they invent stores, you can get apples that <laughs> you, you hold in your hand and you, you they're like the size of a softball. Right. The ones we're talking about are kind of the middle between those two sizes. Okay. Got okay. It. And they are, sometimes they have a little bit of red in them. They're usually very circular, very globe-like. And they have the little sepals at the very bottom because the apple is a poem kind of fruit. That means that the the stem tissue around the flower is what gets succulent and juicy. And that's what gives apples and pears that unique uh, texture. Right. You flip them over and you got that little sepal that's right there. That is the base of the flower. So it's kind of a, the receptacle kind of goes down a little bit and then this stem tissue around it comes out. Right. That's why you, when you cut into a, cut an apple or a pear in half, there's like that weird kind of pithy, um, uh, stringy kind of fibrous center. Yeah, exactly. That's the, the, uh, that is the. Ovary. Ovary. Yes. I knew well this. done, Alex. Well, I, I was going to say ovary, and I thought, not going. quite. I think, I think that the, the fruit is the ovary. But yes. that is the ovary, and then the fruit just grows around the ovary. Exactly. So the fruit is, the. it's still that, that mature ovary. When I, said, when I said fruit, I meant like the flesh. Ah, yes, yeah. exactly. I know yeah. the whole thing is the fruit. But. Yes, you got it. So it's all, it's all one big thing, right? Yeah. So that is an apple. That's the apple we're talking about today. Malice. Siversii. Yes. Nice. So, this apple is from Kazakhstan. This is, uh, I guess I should say, in that general region. So, you can get Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, a little bit in Iran, and a little bit in China. Okay. So, just kind of this big Central Asia kind of area. Yeah. Famously, the Tian Shin Mountains. And... Kazakhstan has been uh, interacting with this apple for as long as Kazakhstan had people in it to interact with apples. 
And the reason that this apple in particular has become what we now call Malus domestica is because that apple was produced and it was big enough already that the people in Kazakhstan were like, hey, we got this sweet fruit. We're going to start transferring it around a little bit. And they started trading with it. Mm. Now, Alex, I can see you asking yourself, but wait, Casey, but wait, why was it that big in the first place? Big culturally? Big physically. Oh, so the apple that we're talking about is larger than what a normal crab apple would be. Right. So they, these people in Kazakhstan, found this apple and said to themselves, this is a pretty good sized big fruit. This is cool. We see horses eating it. We've tried it. And then every now and then they get a really sweet and delicious one rather than a really sour and kind of puckerable one. Oh, I see where this is going. So the question that uh, many people have had uh, recently is where the heck did these apples come from and why okay and it turns out that as we've talked about before there are these ideas of ecological anachronisms right Mm -hmm. that is the idea that a tree or a plant makes a fruit for an animal it makes this uh evolutionary agreement with some animal that will eat the fruit of the plant disperse the seeds and that will be how these two things live one gets their seeds dispersed the other gets a little bit of nutrition and everyone's happy and the anachronistic part is that that animal eventually goes extinct. Exactly. And the plant does not. Exactly. And it's still making that wild fruit that doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. So it turns out the apple developed this sometime in the Miocene, like about five, uh, five, seven, nine, somewhere in that general time frame. I think I read seven to nine million years ago. Wow, it's been around that long. Oh, yeah. And it's apparently been working on this big fruit since then. Hmm, what was eating the apple? What was eating the apple? Eve. It was Eve. <laughs> My God. What was she doing walking around Kazakhstan eating 6, all the apples? 6,000 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, now that's going to throw off the creationists, <laughs> if anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, it actually turns out it was a lot of different animals. Okay. And anything that we've had uh, in North America, our big megafauna that existed prior to the last Ice Age, turns out over in Europe and Asia, they had similar kinds of things. Hmm. Most spectacularly, they had horses. And horses would go up and eat these apples. Sure. Now, were these mega horses? Um, I don't know. They very much, uh, they might have been. Isn't, that, sure. isn't that kind of a frightening thought? A yeah. huge horse, like, like the size of an elephant? gigantic. Yeah. yeah. I would not be surprised if they were just a little bit bigger. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they were just a little bit smaller. Kind sure. of like um, forest horses, I guess. Oh, sure. Yeah. Little donkeys. Yeah, exactly. Now, the, the people of Kazakhstan and Mongolia, like they're famous for being uh, horse riders out, especially yes. if you get further into the plains these people were like born with and on their horses yeah so these horses were probably there hanging around way before the people were and they along with other big megafaunal things that used to exist in asia before the last ice age and then thousands and millions of years prior to that they were eating these delicious little fruits these delicious little fruits kept getting bigger and bigger because they had these huge animals that kept eating them. I don't know if there are any glyptodonts or uh, giant elephant-like animals yeah. or sloths or things like that. Yeah. I'm not sure what the animals were over there. 
But we know that there were that there were big things there. We've seen cave paintings in like France, for instance, of buffalo and giant horned kind mm. of animals. So we know that they've been there at least recently enough that people have made drawings of them. Sure. May I, may I interject with a quick word on um, the uh, um, Mon- Central Asian horse riding? Yeah, of course, Alex. I've been waiting for you to do this <laughs> this whole time. It's the whole reason we brought up the apples because really we just want to talk about yeah. horse riders. He was baiting me this whole time and I, <laughs> I didn't pick yeah. up on it. I knew you'd find uh, out. <laughs> the, as far as I know, the... Um, uh, Oh my God! What are they called? From Game of Thrones, from A Song of Ice and Fire. Oh yeah, you're thinking of the uh, the uh, calls and the Dothraki. The Dothraki. Mm-hmm. A lot of their culture is based on yes, uh, step people. I thought the same thing. Yeah, yeah, very much was was what I assumed. Honestly, yeah, just like born on a horse, die on a horse. Yeah, grow their hair very long with little bells in it. Yeah, it's kind mm-hmm. of an amazing. And I'm now I'm talking. I'm not talking about Dothraki anymore. I'm talking about. Uh, I, I say step people. Is that uh, yeah people of the step? I think either way works. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're talking uh, historically. We should add we're talking about the ancient peoples. Yes. You know, they yeah. were they were out here. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, step um, peoples is a very appropriate term. It's kind of a perf- I mean, imagine that relationship that mm-hmm. you have with a horse. Yeah. And and same like indigenous American people like that is your lifeline. Yeah. It's it's just, it could, it's everything. It's how you get everywhere. Yeah. It's how you move. It's how everything happens, how you hunt, you know? Yeah, and a lot of those cultures were nomadic, so you're also it's also sort of like your your it's your transportation, it's your home, it's mm-hmm. it could possibly be your food if things yeah, get there. Things really get rough. It's your uh it's 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 how you win battles too. Yeah, right. Yeah, they would, they would famously uh, run away on their horses, and no one could catch them. Yeah, but then they would just turn around just as quickly if you start chasing them and mm-hmm. just wreck you. So yeah, and yeah. they they also invented horse archery. Exactly, which uh, the Europeans failed at. Uh, replicating to, yeah, that, to that extent sh- sure did <laughs> pretty pretty incredible it is like the the relationship uh, you you got to think that they've been making and developing that relationship for thousands and thousands of years yeah. before it could really be uh as perfected as it got for sure yeah yeah well thanks for bringing that up alex oh, you're so welcome so let's see where were we ah uh, yes the megafauna of Asia. Mm. At some point after the end of the last ice age, they all, for the most part, went the way of the dodo, as they sure. say. Now, again, this is brought up often in terms of uh, the end of the last ice age is coincidentally when like agriculture and the population of the whole world started to kind of edge up a little bit. You're talking 20,000 years ago? No, the end of the last ice age, depending on where you were, is about twelve to 10,000 years okay. ago. Okay. Now, people have been migrating and moving around for thousands and thousands of years before that. Mm-hmm. Our earliest evidence of people in the southwest of North America was about twenty or 22,000 years ago. Okay. So that's about 10 times longer than we had initially thought. Well, geez, I'm sorry, 10,000 years longer than we initially <laughs> thought. Okay. And then there's evidence of um, people being in Australia for something like up to 70,000 years. Apparently, the, the aboriginal people in Australia were there and have been the longest population of humans outside of africa Mm -hmm. isn't that wild to think about that is really wild i mean yeah holy shit what the fuck i mean i'm I'm assuming there was a land bridge or maybe they just 
No boat, one's really, really sure. Boats. Wow. No one is really 70, sure. 70,000? 70,000 years. Wait, how long? Is, is the, it's the high end of a range between 70 and 50,000. Okay, how long ago? I should know this. I thought I thought humans had been around for like 40,000. Um, well, a little bit longer than that. Um, there's been Apparently. a lot of there's a lot of overlap. So like Homo sapiens versus Homo erectus uh-huh. versus Neanderthalensis. These are all like species of humans oh, that have existed. Yeah. So they've they've come and gone in, you know, in different waves. So it could have been that the very first wave of Homo sapiens to start going up into Europe and over into Asia, they then went down through all these other places and maybe they didn't get very far. Maybe they got really far. Maybe they used boats. Maybe they didn't use boats. We're really not sure. Gotcha. But we have enough evidence to say, like genealogically speaking, we can take DNA and we can do that back dating and basically see, well, when did these people split from these people? Mm. When did this population of anything split from this other population? It's in fact very similar genetic studies they're doing with the apple to figure out like, okay, we have all these apples across the entire northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere. Where did they all come from and how long ago did they switch from being the Siever... Siversii. 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 Well, I don't know. This is what we settled on. Versus the Malus Domestica. So no one's really quite sure, but Mm. we can can go back into the genes and there's a mutation that kind of happens on a normal schedule. They found this through almost all life. So they can basically say, okay, on average, the mutations will happen every X amount of years. So if we see Y number of mutations, then we can say what's Y Mm. times X and we can estimate the amount of time these two populations have been separated. Interesting. So they've done this with the apple. People have been taking it around and moving it and hybridizing it via the Silk Roads with apples from Europe and from Asia and then crossing those again and then crossing those again and again and again until you get, poof, this beautiful pink apple that tastes delicious. And they start cloning that apple. I wanna, so on and so forth. I want to dial in here. Yeah. When you say crossing over, you mean hybridizing? Yes. So how long how long ago were were humans hybridized? I know the ja- the Japanese were sort of like at the forefront of hybridization. Yeah, yeah, they did that a lot with their Japanese cherries, right? Okay, how long ago was that? You reckon? Um, they were doing that probably about the same time we're in right now, kind okay. of the turn of the century. Okay, uh, that was probably. Yeah, I'd say about then, but the 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 origins of it are really hard to pin down mm-hmm. because certain peoples were probably doing it, but we can't say like, oh, that's the first written example. They might have been oh, doing sure. it for a couple hundred years before someone said, "What are you doing? I'm going to write that down." Right. I, yeah, I, I, t- yeah. I think that's a good rule of thumb for all historical research. Yeah. It's like, we don't we can't really nail anything yeah. down that that much unless there's like a specific thing written somewhere. Yeah. Like, right. This like, happened on this year with the patents of the, you know, modern era, you can say, yes, the toilet paper roll was invented right. here. <laughs> then, you know, have we been putting, you know, toilet paper rolls on sticks for a while before that? Probably not. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. But yeah, you're, you're right. And so about this time was when they started okay. doing that with the cherries. Okay. Interesting. And about the same time for most of these kinds of arboreal, uh, fruit tree domestic, domestication, Mm -hmm. where it turns out that the apple itself, uh, do you remember in our last episode, Mm. we talked about extreme heterozygosity? 
Wow, I really feel like I would remember that, but I don't. <laughs> Honestly, I wasn't sure if you would or not. It's one of those things where if you don't like know what the words are saying, yeah. they just bounce off your brain. Extreme heterozygosity? Yeah, that's it. Okay, what is... Okay, hetero meaning uh, diff, like opposite. Uh, yeah, not necessarily opposite, just different. Okay, yeah. different. Um Zygote, zygote, yeah, which is like a genome type thing. Yeah, it's talking about alleles, and like the zygote would be the uh, the very first um, new fertilized thing. Okay. So when you put sperm and egg together, they create a zygote. Okay. Ocity, which is like just the process the of or something. Yeah, practice exactly. of. Okay. Extreme. Yeah. Which means it happens at the X Games. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which it means it's brought to you by Red Bull. <laughs> It, uh, so in the in the botanical term, even though I like our definition way better, yeah, it essentially means if you have two parents who come together to make their offspring, mm-hmm. that offspring will display a wild variety of traits that don't necessarily look like the two parents. Okay. So um, if you were a, I don't know. Uh, a millipede and you mate with another millipede and you create a bunch of other millipedes, all those millipedes at their maturity will look almost exactly the same. Sure. Whereas if you are an apple and you are a beautiful pink, uh, pink lady apple and you hybridize or rather you uh, just mate, cause at this point it's not a hybrid. They're the same species. Yeah. And you mate with a red delicious apple um, actually, let's go with, um, what's a green one? Granny Smith. Granny Smith. So it mates with a green Granny Smith apple. Okay. You would expect there's going to be some mixture of the sizes, the flavors, and the colors of those fruit. Because you're essentially breeding the two things together. So like Mendel's little beans, you're going to get some mixture of the two parents. Sure. Okay. In the case of an apple, because of its extreme heterozygosity, fuck yeah, they are random almost. Like it will look the the offspring will look nothing like the parents. I do remember this. Okay. I, I remember the I remember the uh, philosophy. I don't remember. I didn't remember the word. But this is the idea that. You never, you kind, you know, apples are like a box of chocolates. They case. are. You, you never know. know what you're gonna get. Exactly, Alex. They could. So if you made it, wow, oh, God, that's so, that's so like uh, irresponsible of them or something. I don't Ooh. know. Like, if you made a pink lady and another, could you, okay? Here's a question. Right. Sorry, I'm a little scattered. No, please. If you mate two pink oh, ladies, you're extreme heterozygostic <laughs> right now. I've got extreme heterozygostic poisoning. <laughs> Um, if you make t- if two pink ladies, yeah, fuck, mm-hmm. are they gonna make a pink lady? No, they could make a a little teeny tiny crab apple that is the color purple. They could make a giant green sour apple. This they, is really weird. Anything in between, yeah. So this is that's the that's the thing with an apple. That's the that's like there's so many other things we talked about. Pecan is a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. This is a trait that makes the apple so wildly successful wherever we plant it, because whatever you mix it with, it doesn't matter. There's going to be this giant smattering that comes out. Something's bound to work wherever you're at. Wow. Right. Okay. So. Do they have heterozyg- uh, extreme heterozygosity? I love saying that now. 
um, on a single tree? Um, no. Okay, so a tree is going to be a specific species. Yes. So if you have a tree, um, that or I grows should up, say variety. Sorry, not yeah, species. I know. Yeah, we're confusing ourselves, right? Yeah. If you have uh, an individual tree, that individual tree has two-inch, perfectly spherical green fruit. Everywhere on that tree, it will be producing that same fruit. Sure. Its genes are already set. Yes. You can't okay. That makes it. sense. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be doing the same thing. But as soon as it has a mating experience with mm-hmm. another tree, the resulting seeds are a crapshoot. Literally thousands of options. Crab However shoot. many seed. Yeah. Crab apple shoot. Sorry. Whatever the number of seeds are on that tree, that is the number of potential variations <laughs> you'll get. Wow. Isn't that crazy? I have so many questions. Please. We got all the time in the world. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, what Pick else? two, Alex. We have 2,021 years. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, buckle up, everyone. <laughs> um, okay. So that this so any variety yeah. can mate with any variety. Pretty much, yeah. Of the Malice Domestica. Of Malice Domestica. Or its basal non-artifact related tree Malice Siversii. Wow. Yeah. So So could a so a pink could a pink lady in a Granny Smith uh-huh. make a baby that is a malice siversii? You know, they they would have the similar genes, uh, but the problem is the reason that we've we've now switched the the species away yeah. is that it's been hybridized and r- like crossbreeded and then backbred onto itself with hybrids on hybrids on hybrids on hybrids. Yeah, that it wouldn't go back to being the old version. Okay, because the genes are so fluid now, and they've been so adjusted with all these other species from Asia and other species from Europe, probably some species from the United States or North America at large. So they would not necessarily genetically be Malus siversii. Okay, but if you took Malus siversii and your pink lady and you put it together, they would probably make a baby that's a little bit of both. Wow. And Alex, that's a great way to round off what we're talking about here. Let's round it. Which makes you wonder, okay, these apples, are they better or worse? Are they good? Are they bad? Does Casey, does anyone, should anyone like Malus siversii versus Malus domestica? Well, that sounds like a question for a review. I think that's very fair. So I'll hold off and we can discuss that during the review. <laughs> Which we must do after a quick break. We'll be right back with the exciting conclusion of Completely Arbitrary's excellent adventure. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary's excellent adventure. Today we talked about the apple, Malice Siversii. The Kazakhstani apple. Yeah, I was going to say, there's not really a a common name as far as I can tell. That's interesting. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure there is. I bet you it's just the apple, you know? Sure. It's like if you go into a Vietnamese restaurant, you don't order Vietnamese coffee. You just order coffee. Exactly. So in Kazakhstan, they don't call it the Kazakhstani apple. They just call it the apple. The apple. Yeah, you're exactly right. (laughs) Casey, it's time for a... Well, (laughs) whoa... Talk about muscle memory. We are Jesus. not doing a review 
of the malice cyberci yes we are simply or are we we are simply asking ourselves the question mm-hmm. does what we discussed today make you feel differently about i will say the apple i think that is a good question alex and casey as our resident anti-appleist thank you we begin with you all right i appreciate the opportunity uh thank you to our listeners who stood with us uh through the hard times and the good wow while we talk about these you know challenging issues thank you to the academy thank you to you alex for supporting us and at the end of the day i think i need to also say thank you to malice severzii oh i thought you were going to thank the original person who wrote in Oh yes, I well they, yeah they're they're the listener that stuck by us. I don't even know if they still listen. Oh, so, so oh, hopefully oh. you're still there. Uh. Here's your shout out. Um, so I would I would like to say that the apple as we know it today is stupid and dumb unless you live in Kazakhstan. In which case the the apple you know and love today is the OG apple and it is good. Have you eaten a Malice Cyversii? No, I have no idea how they taste. Yeah. Well, you can't get them because- I rolled my eyes. Everything is, everything over here is all this domesticated, you know, uh-huh. we can only get dogs over here. I want the wolf, but you got to go <laughs> and find the wolf in the mountains, in the Tian Shen mountains of Kazakhstan. Casey wants that wolf inside him. That's what I want. So that, I like, when I, when I think about the difference between the two- the reason that the Malice Severzii is one that I can get behind mm-hmm. is that it is not a relic of humanity that I think is two things. One, way overblown and has usurped the actual golden apple, which is the quince. Right. So it has found and needled and elbowed its way into all of these old historical things where it doesn't belong. Sure. I don't like that. I also don't really find apples to be like as delicious and great and amazing as everyone thinks they are. You and I have eaten plenty of apples. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are fine to eat, but anyone who says an apple day will keep the doctor away is just lying to themselves. Is a doctor. Yeah, they're a doctor <laughs> and they're also on the the uh, payroll for Big Apple. Yeah, yeah, for sure. New York City. The whole... the, the <laughs> New York City is literally the, Big Apple. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I can't uh, believe it was right in front of us this whole time. We all knew it, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think they're great. Um, I think the versions that many people still buy, they're doing it because they are, you know, just <laughs> that's the only thing they offer. Red Delicious Apples are awful. Their, their skin sucks. They are too sour. Mm-hmm. Their red color only is skin deep. <laughs> it's true. There's a little smoke ring. It's a, okay, a little bit, okay. A little bit of bleed. So I am uh, just, I'm not, I'm not with them. They're, they're fine to have every now and then, but really we should focus on a thousand other fruits and we should make them a little bit more interesting. And here, Alex, is my final point. The Malus Seversii is the wild population that have been growing and developed all these traits that we have been talking about today, all the things that we can find in all of our modern domesticated apples. They developed them years ago so that no matter what happened, they would survive and they would rock. They were eaten by giant horses and buffalo and sloths and all these other animals that used to live potentially over there. I actually don't think sloths were ever in Europe, so scratch that from the record. And so 
they are the population that has the genetic diversity within them to save us from ourselves. Because anytime we need, we can say, ah, we need a new uh, purple variety of apple that has this kind of flavor. We can just go back, search all of the apples in the Tian Shen Mountain, find a few that look good, start breeding those and seeing whatever their new seeds come out with. Mm. And then we can start developing these new things, develop some with some resistance to this disease or that disease. They are the, the genetic pool that we can go back to and pick from to help make our other modern apples less shitty. Wow. I think that's a really nice thing. Tap into the power of the ancients, you're exactly. saying. That's what I'm saying. So these are these are the 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 green uh the green people. What are they? The uh Oh, the, the, children, the children of the, of the forest. forest. Yeah. Exactly. This is them. They're out there. Right. Everyone's like, where are they? Every now and then you see this <laughs> Is that them? Oh these God. little green Casey claps running around the forest. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they are ancient. They're they're amazing. They have this cultural thing. <laughs> Literally, the old city, uh, the old capital of Kazakhstan, uh-huh. um, it's the city of, I think it's pronounced a couple different ways, but Alamati, and it literally means where apples grow. Wow. So, this is a, uh, there's a, there's oh a different, different uh, names for this, depending on how you translate it. So, please, I know, go look it up yourself. There's be many different translations. We do our best. Thank you. Um, so, I think that's, I think that's cool, and I think it deserves credit. However, the reason I still, to this day, stand vindicated and say, go look listen to that last episode it was pure golden apple is because we were talking about malice domestica right today we have decided and i think this is fair to talk about malice severzii <laughs> and we you give add- it a whole new review <laughs> oh, wow so we want to give i was gonna this was my next question to you do we want to give a golden cone score to severzii yeah i think it would actually be appropriate to give a golden poem score beautiful casey and what is I want this. I want this off off your dome. Yep, you've given your reasoning. I have. What is your golden poem score for six point eight? Sorry, Alex, I wasn't S- sure if you were done. That's okay. Six point eight. Yes, only because it being an ancient old tree, and I've seen a bunch of apple blossoms, and I have decided that apple blossoms are more preferential in terms of their beauty than cherry blossoms. So why does it have to be a contest? Well, because Alex, everything is a contest in nature. You're so riled up. I oh, am riled don't up. give me that shit. <laughs> like Casey, didn't you just tell me about things being cooperative? What? what? Yes. 6.8 golden poems of honor. Yeah. Only because they're out there right now. And they've just been staring at me for the last couple of weeks being like, Casey, look at us. Yeah. We're so pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I'll cut you down anyway. <laughs> 6.8 Golden Poems of Honor for Malice Siversii. Yes. The Kazakhstani apple. Were you saying a moment ago that I add several uh, syllables in yes. there? Yes, yeah. Sivierzii. Okay, great. Thanks. It's like your mouth like does like a fish like kind of... <laughs> It's making a bunch of shapes. Yeah, it's like someone's blowing like a, a blower in my mouth and my <laughs> lips are just like... Yes. Alex, uh, you have any... Uh, you have any changes of opinions? You don't have to re-review it um, just to save face. Uh, well, if you don't uh, want. changes of opinion. No, I actually like I like Domestica. Uh, 
Okay. I I love apples. I think maybe maybe this is like the contrarian in me, but since we started this podcast, I've liked apples more. What? Maybe just in contrast God, to your distaste. I'm so upset by yeah. that. But last last year, I really took advantage of apple season. Yeah. And I tried, we have a, a great produce market across the street here, and I tried as many varieties as I could. Yeah. And I had a hoot. I found I, some that I really like. I enjoyed that too. You, you shared a lot of those with me. Yes. We, we, we even did a, a, a segment on the podcast where we sampled a few different varieties um so i i'm actually a fan of domestica I, I i think it's really cool that it is just this it's like it's like a universe in a giant's eye it's like domestica oh, yeah it's just like so we don't i mean there's there are probably varieties that we haven't discovered yet aren't there something like ten thousand varieties yes of actually Malice domestica let's uh let's find this out there are 2170 english cultivated varieties okay. of apple not quite ten thousand. yeah but, but that's just the ones that we've named in english that and, and those are just the ones we've discovered so far yeah and they're, they're all within the seed waiting to happen exactly i think that's really cool okay um all in a seed waiting to happen that's a that's beautiful you see you you love apples you just don't even know oh, yet jeez uh I, I i love it i love that it's like it's the it's the obi-wan like it's it's the og oh. you know and I, he's not the og but you know what i'm saying he's like yeah. this this hermit living in the mountains mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's like you come to them for the wisdom of of what apple has to offer that's fair i think that's really neat uh Apples aesthetically, I'm ju- I'm kind of neutral on. Mm-hmm. I like their lentils. I, I prefer cherries yeah. to apples, and I often mix them up. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, the um, the bark of an apple is less. Uh, the lentils are more dots rather than lines. Oh, that's right. And they kind of uh, plate like kind of have patchiness to them. There's they your kind of pop off. There's your ID. That's good. Um, I am a little okay. I want to respect Cyversii. Okay. I am actually, I've never done this before. I'm giving it an incomplete. What? An I? Yeah. Because of why? I just, I guess I, uh, no, you know what? I, I will give it a it's score. O- it's okay either way. I Because I can't give good reasoning for giving it an incomplete. It just feels right to me. Okay. But I'll I'll give it a I'll give it a six five six five yeah all right that's that's not bad six five six five but that's like with an asterisk on it which is like just because I'm you know forcing you to give a reason I think so okay well you didn't force me to yeah right. I got yeah right okay. yeah six point five golden poems of honor got my pistol right here Alex <laughs> give me a number Chekhov puts the gun away and it's yeah. never seen again <laughs> how about that uh, the show sucks <laughs> they never they never brought the gun back <laughs> that was our discussion and review of Malice Servicii. Casey Clapp. Alex Croson. It is time for a very apple-flavored, completely arbitrary Q&A. Well, 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 well. We asked our patrons, patreon.com slash arbitrarypod, to ask their apple questions. And we are going to answer as many as we can. There are, there are quite a few here. We're going to do our best, though. Yeah, everyone really was happy to ask these questions. And you know what? Thank you. Yeah, thank you, too. I want to I sh- shout out our patrons really quick. Yes, let's please. Because this whole series, this excellent adventure, is completely what was completely planned 
by our patrons. Yes, I well, we did uh, we did say we at least want to do um, I think Apple again. Yes. So we were like, okay, let's ask let's ask them and see what they think. And a lot of people said, well, we want to do this again. We posted a poll said what tree would you like to hear more about that we've already covered. Yeah. And we took the top three, and then we added Apple. I think yep. there were plenty of Apple votes. I think there though. was, yeah. So the top three, which were? Douglas Fir. Don Redwood. And the Arborvitum. There you go. So and Those thank have you, been the episodes. Everyone, for, uh, for doing that. And if you want, of course, to be involved and help us choose what trees we're going to do, get yourself on Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash ArbitraryPod. There's a level of a commitment for everyone there even if it's just a hug well said casey but we do charge a dollar for that hug that's true true. (laughs) um okay apple questions are you ready casey clap alex i'm ready this is like uh this is like zuckerberg in front of the senate you're you're us asking you apple questions (laughs) and i'm just gonna be like um we we sell we sell advertisements (laughs) thank you for that question alex a uh, human M8 asks, why do apples taste so different with each one? Well, we actually talked quite a bit about that today. It's true. Each apple is its own unique thing. No apple ever fell close to the tree, which I think is kind of a funny thing about that. You know that saying? Yeah, Alex? it's kind of yeah, an ironic saying. What is, it? is it apple doesn't fall far from the tree? The apple doesn't far, fall far from the tree, meaning... Yeah. You're just like your father. You're just like your father. Yeah. Well, if they actually knew a goddamn thing or two about <laughs> apples, they would know that every apple is unique and is no way related, well, other than being literally related, is almost never similar to its kin. Yeah. So if I think we should take that back and we should say, uh, when we see someone who's doing something super cool and unique and is a bit of a rebel, they... Did not fall far from the tree. There you go. That reminds me of a Harris Whittles bit. He says, um, "R.I.P." He said, uh, "This is this is an impression of a dentist with a good family getting my son to clean his room is like pulling teeth. Very easy." <laughs> Oh, that's a that's a that's a dry one. <laughs> it, I love it very to death. easy. Uh, thank you, human. <laughs> thank you, Alex. <laughs> Jess Hoing, I'll say Jess asks, why does my apple tree only fruit every other year? Hmm. I live in Vermont, apple country, certainly, Casey. Yeah. And apparently, this is normal around these parts, but it seems so bizarre to me. Yeah, that's very curious. I would think that it has a lot to do with the plant um, using all of its energy and then needing a year to kind of reboot. Sure. And then it'll put on more apples. A bit of a refractory period, if you will. I think that's a very fine term. Uh, It also may be that you are, if it's getting pruned, uh, if you prune it during the wrong time, you can prune off the flowers from the next year. So if if the apples come out, then every bud and all the flowers and everything are set for the next year. Then you prune it. The next year it comes out, then most of those flowers have been removed. Mm. So then you don't actually get a big flush. And then if you skip a year of pruning, then the next year you'll get a bunch of apples. Interesting. So that could be the issue. Otherwise, if it's just completely normal, uh, it would probably have to do with the conditions, meaning that the apple would grow up and put out its fruit. (sighs) 
and then skip a year and then do it again. This, the 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 complimentary refractory period. Interesting. As you noted. There you go. Well Thanks, done. Jess. Emma, you know what? Case Emma asked a question about growing apples from seed, and we have talked a whole lot about that this episode. Yes, we did. So we are going to say, Emma, this episode. Dedicated to you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Your question has been answered. Uh, Brittany Wright, what are some common diseases and how can you treat or prevent them? Oh, man. Um, apples, they have so many diseases. Um, they're kind of the same kind of stone fruit disease uh, that you get with cherries. They're very closely related in the sense they're all in the, the one same family, the rose family. Um, and honestly, I could look up and try to probably find a thousand different diseases. They get scab diseases, worms get in them. They have, uh, certain blights. They sometimes get mildew. Like there's all sorts of different things, but most of the time they get some kind of fungus that grows on the leaves or on the fruit and it causes them to be less delectable looking. It really doesn't cause much trouble to the apples. Apples are pretty good. And honestly, a horse doesn't really care if there's a grub inside of an apple or not. It'll just pretty much eat an apple sure so it is uh they're especially the the ones that we have and we grow as different varieties they are grown for the fruit so the flowers or rather the trees themselves will put all of their effort into the fruit whether or not the genes that come along with those big fruits are good for say apple scab uh defense and things like that so they get a huge, crazy amount of diseases, which is why over here in the Pacific Northwest, we actually grow them in drier areas that are not quite as humid outside, say, um, Hood River in the gorge. That is because it's a little less humid and there's more wind, so there's not as enough of a uh, good habitat for fungus, fungal diseases. There you go. So there's way too many for us to note here. Um, and I unfortunately support all of them. I think apples should be brought back to their original origins and we can maybe get some more interesting apples that have a little bit better ability to fight off diseases. Anyway, Casey, that is so unacceptable to sorry. say. Anyway, why don't you just continue? <laughs> Thanks, Brittany. Nick, why is Applewood so good for smoking foods? Mm. That's a good question. I have a little input on this. What do you got? Well, applewood gives a kind of a sweet flavor. Uh-huh. I mean, you'll you'll often. I mean, by foods, I think Nick means mostly meat. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, um, yeah, like bacon. Yeah, applewood applewood smoked bacon okay. is like a very. You just have heard that phrase it's a million very times. Common, yeah. yeah, applewood chicken sausage. You've oh. heard that a million times. Yeah. Um. So uh, it imparts a bit of a sweet flavor. And I also think it has something to do with the branding. Really? I think people people read Applewood and they go, oh, I know what that's going to taste like because I know what apples are and uh -huh. I know what apples taste like, okay. right? They're a little sweet. So then maybe this meat will be a little, have a touch of sweetness to it. That oh, sounds pretty good. Really? I, I think that has something to do with the popularity of Applewood because you can, you can smoke meat with, I reckon, any wood. Yeah. Right? Right? Um, I would think so. I mean, there's certain woods that are better, like oak and hickory. Hickory, mesquite. Uh, mesquite. Yeah. yeah. So those are those are sort of, you know, hmm. I feel like those are your in your top five. Yeah. Um, but I believe, huh. I, I mean, I know it has a good flavor. I like the idea of this branding, though, Alex. Yeah, I, I, I think that has something to do with its popularity. Yeah. It's well, like, it, you know what it is when you see it. Yes, exactly. So I wonder if there's a correlation, just the branding happened to work out really well, but the, like, the wood properties... 
Um, I would assume that it has, you know, we call them extratives, but it's kind of the stuff that gets piled into old wood so that it doesn't decay. Yeah. Um, extractives is the way you can you know, imagine what that term means. Okay. Um, it's essentially when the old cells, when the old phloem cells die, those cells are actually, I'm sorry, xylem cells. When the old xylem cells die and they're no longer pushing water up, the tree essentially clogs them up with all of these different chemicals and tannins that keep it from being palatable to decay organisms. Sure. So I would, I would wonder if as those get piled up and they become the heartwood as opposed to the sapwood, that over time, those are the things that really make the flavor. And for whatever reason, the apple also creates these kinds of unique flavors in the wood as opposed to a cottonwood, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah, so that's a, that's a good question. I wonder if there's a, if it, if it is a, a, an artifact of your mind or if it's actually just, you know, a very convenient coincidence. I think, uh, yeah, probably both. <laughs> well said, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, applewood good for good for pork, especially. That's why you see applewood ham and applewood ah, bacon. Okay, well, super super good to know. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, thank you, Nick. Daniel, can all of the poem fruits in rosaceae be traced to a common ancestor? If so, when and how did they diverge? Well, we talked a bit about that this episode, but not really rosaceae as a yeah. family. Yeah, but I would be willing to bet that probably that is the case. Yeah, because there's the rowan trees and hawthorns apples and pears mm -hmm. so i would be willing to bet that they all they're all in a way closer uh a much more close relationship than say the cherries and the true roses and a bunch of all those other plants that don't make the same kind of fruit right so i would be willing to bet that yes you probably could find them um ultimately coming back to one proto poem producing plant a proto poem a proto poem producing plant <laughs> periodically peers oh through. here he goes sorry i gotta <laughs> Stop, I gotta stop. <laughs> it's like a that's a disease in its own right. Uh, Allison asks cheddar cheese on apple pie, yay or nay? Uh, nay, never uh, eat apple pie, always eat cheddar cheese on triscuits. I say yay to cheddar cheese and apple pie. I'm not a huge apple pie fan, okay, but I will definitely eat it. And I love cheddar cheese on like peanut butter sandwiches, mm, and yeah, I feel like yeah. apple pie kind of that relationship kind of takes up the same all right like, i i think genre. that's fair the real question i have is is it melted or is it is it still cold uh melted okay all right uh, oh, uh, I, I, I i don't know if it makes it better or worse i think way, it makes honestly. it worse because then it separates and uh, it's like oily hmm. i think cold Casey. okay right. on hot apple pie so it just Oof. barely kind of settles into the crevices uh, let's move on lizzie is a rose by any other name an apple? Oh! Liz, Lizzie's being cheeky. Yes, indeed. I think no. Because no. the fruit of a rose, the true rosa in that, is an akeen. So it's a little bit different. Than a poem. Yes. So I would say no, but I love that term. Uh, Lizzie also says, can an apple be eaten with malice? Uh, yeah. Very much so. Yeah, I, I do it all the time. Every time Alex <laughs> gives it to me. Thanks, Lizzie. Casey. Excuse me. Casey from the Patreon. I was like, you're not talking to me right now. Did Johnny Appleseed inadvertently spread a harmful or invasive monoculture? Hey, that's a good question. Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to say no because... Um, apples are that we have native apples, you know, everywhere, but as soon as you leave them and you just let them grow, they'll start hybridizing with all the other apples that we have. And then they'll just kind of become a part of the native system. So 
I, I, it's not a monoculture because they're all so different. You know, the genes are so wildly vast. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it was a part of the colonization of that area, and I, I, I yeah, I don't think so. I've never heard, heard of apples being super intense yeah. in terms of like colonizing new spaces, right? Not like a, uh, there's like a honeysuckle, the calorie pear, the Bradford pear will destroy things and completely cover spaces. Apples don't tend to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say, uh, no, uh, Johnny Appleseed, he's, he's, uh, I, I shouldn't say okay guy. He, he wasn't always, but he, I don't think he was causing an ecological catastrophe. There you go. Nice and specific. Thanks, Casey. Jacob asks, Fireblight is slowly starting to affect other members of the family Rosaceae. Mm. How did it jump from apples to hawthorns? See, that's a very interesting question. My guess is that the fire blight, which is a fungal disease, I believe, um, ended up just having a slight mutation to where it could then get on a closely related plant. Yeah. So as we talked about, hawthorns are very closely related to apples. So it's likely that there's either already a species that's out there that already was good and could uh, could affect the hawthorns or it mutated itself ever so slightly and now it's able to actually affect other things that are very closely related to the apple as well wow you know i googled fire blight it is a wild looking disease pretty intense right it's like little red kisses all over the leaves a kiss of death (laughs) nice (laughs) rock on hey thanks jacob sage sage mentions that they grew up around a lot of apple farms and always wondered how such tiny little gnarly looking trees uh-huh. had such good yield of fruit. Yes. And also noted they have such small leaves and wondering if that has something to do with energy conservation to grow such good fruit. Yes. My guess is probably. Yeah. Now, I have to say that there is a huge section of the tree world that I have skirted pretty intensely. Fruit trees. Fruit trees. Yeah. I don't really care for fruit trees very much. God, Casey. And you just got to be so specialized to really work with them. (sighs) I'm sorry, Alex. I I want to be a fruit tree specialist. You should definitely do it. There, there are great companies in Portland. Uh, in fact, one of our patrons just after this, Jim Wentworth Plato, talks about one in Oregon City called the Home Orchard Education Center. Oh, wow. So there are ways, Alex, that you can do this. However, I unfortunately just don't really know the best answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's such a specialized thing. you know. It's almost like bonsai. I can talk about bonsai sure. a little bit, but as soon as you ask me like an intense question, I'm like, ah. Uh, I really have to defer to people who know it because it's in and of itself a particular skill. Sure. So apple and orchard pruning, kind of broadly speaking, the main goal is to keep the trees as stressed as possible. Oh, gosh. So the more the plant is stressed, the more it's going to have a response of putting on fruit because it's like, wow, I'm going to die. Everything's going wrong. And it puts all of its efforts into making fruit. So it also happens that they cut off a lot of the the vegetative uh, growth, those shoots that would be going straight up. Yeah. In order to only allow the tree to grow out of the flower buds and only put on those things. Sure. So a lot of it has to do with just keeping the trees stressed so they put out a lot of fruit. They also add fertilizers and they keep all of the, you know, bad things away with different pesticides and things like that. So even though the trees are really stressed, they're trying to keep the environment around them as stress-free as possible. 
yet still giving it what it needs. So it's kind of like keeping something stressed. So it's always working at a very high level. It's like, it um, it's like working at Nike, you know, Yeah, it's like very high <laughs> intensive work, but you also have, uh, you know, an uh, on-site childcare and yeah. uh, massages. Exactly. And well, you assume I, that's what it's like to work at Nike. I've never even been to their campus. It's pretty wild. Okay. Um, I wonder. I wonder if we should come up with a new term for tree stress. Mm. I don't love that that particular form of anthropomorphization. Okay. Yeah. Um, we'll have to sit down and think about that. Yeah. Alex. Some some other time. If someone else thinks of something. Send us a send us some uh, note. Would you? Yeah, yeah. Please. Thank you, Sage. Jim, how big is too big to do a renovation pruning? I see people lobbing off four-inch diameter uprights and leaving a coat rack. In my experience, that leads to absurdly long new growth. I guess my question is, how do you get a monster to give you delicious fruit at a reasonable height to reach? It's a great, great question. And then Jim follows that up, giving a shout-out to that group, the Home Orchard Education Center, uh, that taught Jim how to do a graft for the first time. Now, Jim is also an educator. I happen to know Jim personally. Oh. Uh, with uh, the Clackamas Community College out in Oregon City. No kidding. And they work on uh, the arboricultural thing. So if you're ever interested uh, in doing horticulture, I'm sorry, if you're ever interested in doing arboriculture, go to Clackamas Community College and look up Jim and uh, learn everything there is to know about how to make yourself an arborist. Well, shout out to Jim. I didn't know yeah. you knew Jim. Yeah. So the uh, the big question that Jim's asking, uh, a lot of people don't prune their trees, their apple trees properly. They let them get really big. And then people are like, well, I want to get the apples. So first thing to do is you have to bring the size of the tree down. Mm -hmm. So when he says coat rack, it's essentially a top tree with these big nubs that come out that okay. you just, you know, you can hang a coat on. So that is the process of making the tree smaller. It's really bad for the tree. Then it sends out all these new shoots because it just got topped. What you have to do is take those shoots and cut them off again and start to get the tree to grow down. So it almost looks like these big branches coming up, then they're topped, and then you take horizontal branches down and out. Mm. Kind of like a, a spaghetti monster. You okay. know that that thing? I remember. Kind of looks like that where there's this central thing with like these tentacles that come down and out. Okay. That's what you want your apple tree to ultimately look like. Interesting. Very so you hard can reach to do. the apples. Exactly, yeah. Right. So you're also stressing the tree out so the tree's going to have that apple-producing response. Mm -hmm. So the best way to do it is to hire someone who knows how to do it and then have them come back and keep pruning and working with that tree for five, six years so that you're creating these low branches that come out. They are going to produce apples at the right height. And then every year when the new shoots come up, you just got to cut them off and keep doing that over and over and over and over so that the tree is constantly doing the same thing every year, very stressed. And then it constantly is like, okay, this is just what I do. I just produce fruit. And that's it as far as I know. What a life. Yeah, it's a hard life. Thank you, Jim. Joe asks, should I read my child the giving tree when the tree in the book is clearly not an apple tree? Can you name all the reasons why the book is wrong and how we should retell the story to give the tree more dignity? The book became even more depressing after listening to this podcast. Oh, no. Uh, you know, yes, you should because it's a good book. You yeah. Know? It's a, I, it's, don't <laughs> I don't know if we if, if children uh, can or need to make such a, a, 
uh, delineation. Yeah, and then you know the irony is like in the front photo, isn't the the tree like offering the apple to the kid? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's just dropping. I okay. guess, but the branch kind of looks like an arm. Okay, yeah. yeah. There's there's a symbolism there. That's okay. So the giving tree is great. It is sad because essentially the man, it's a metaphor that is supposed to be, ah, the tree's giving and nice. And at the very end, you know, the old man has cut the tree down and it sits on the stump for the last time. But more recently, people have looked at this book and they'd be like, what the hell? That guy uses everything that that tree has to offer and then just says, well, thanks, and, you know, moves on. Right. Whereas today, we're like, well, maybe we shouldn't just exploit nature for the things that they offer and let them kind of live and do their thing because they deserve to live and do their thing. Sure. Aside from being useful for us. So it's a good thing, I think, to show children that trees are resources. You can use them and you can work with them. But it's important also to kind of show the other side of that and say, you know, you don't need to use this tree. That tree's not there to give things to the people. Trees will not say no. They may poke you a bunch, but a tree isn't going to say, no, I'm not going to give you that. It's going to do it. It's what trees do. It's what plants do. You know, they produce whatever it is that you're taking from them and they never request that you don't do it other than maybe sending up pokey things you can just cut off. So I think it's an important thing to also bring up, hey, you're using this tree and you're not giving anything back. There's no reciprocity. So teach your child reciprocity, show them the giving tree, and then they will ideally not cut it down just to sit on it at the end of the episode. <laughs> well said, Case. Uh, last question from Max. Are there any redeemable apple trees for you guys? Ooh. I would say, yeah, pr- pretty much every apple tree. I, I've I've never had an apple. Well, oh, I should say red delicious I find abhorrent. Yes. But I will also say every apple has its place. You don't like bite into a Granny Smith and say yum yum. Mm. You cut it up and bake it into a pie because it withstands that oh, process really well. I see. So not yes. every apple should be treated the same way when you eat it. Fine. And judged against other apples that are delicious when you bite into them and say yum yum. But you also can. Never mind. Well, you can. But that's your choice to bite an astringent green apple Sometimes. and say, ugh, apples are bad. <laughs> I touched a nerve. I have nothing to say. <laughs> I think, yes, there are some redeemable apple trees. My redeemable apple trees are the big, gigantic old ones yeah. that people have forgot about, yet they're still just kind of cooking. They've like super decayed. 16 branches have fallen, but they've regrown 16 branches. Uh Those big old things that are kind of like ancient looking, kind of like miniature oak trees. Totally. Redeemable. Wonderful. That's it. Every, uh, all the rest, uh, Domestica? Nah. Can go to hell. Yep. Don't plant them. (laughs) Don't grow them. Don't look at them. Don't buy them. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much to all of our patrons for your wonderful Apple questions. We really appreciate your patronage. And hey, if you want to join the Patreon, if you want to support this podcast with the, for with a monthly fee to us and get something in return, there are plenty of options on there. Of course, our crown jewel is the Cone of the Month Club. That's right. We talk about it all the damn time. You join for 10 bucks a month, and then every month in your mailbox, you get a sticker that is of an, a cone species illustrated by an independent artist, mm-hmm. different one every month, and a little card 
with information on that tree and that cone, where it grows, a link to the artist so you can follow their work. And it all comes in an envelope guaranteed to be licked by Casey Clapp. That's right. And this month is the uh, the Tree of the West case, the Conifer uh, of the West, the, the Ponderosa Pine. Yeehaw! <laughs> by Colette Barton. It is, I will say, maybe in my top five cones wow, we've ever commissioned. Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm a big, big, big fan of yeah. it. If you haven't signed up already, sign up now to get the Ponderosa Pine. It is spectacular. Yeah, and if you want to see it, go to our Instagram, at ArbitraryPod. There's also fun videos and uh, announcements and all sorts of things there. It's a great compendium, and we'd love for you to follow along. Casey, I think I finally understand what Tobin was trying to show us all along. Save it for the Patreon, Alex. We've got to stop our past selves from recording that slanderous Apple episode. Wait, but don't you, like, not feel any differently? Did you have a change of heart? Alex, I, uh, there, uh, there's no time. Okay, but we're stuck here in the year zero, Kazakhstan. Mm. Alex, the stump. <gasps> Casey, the stump. Come here, boy. <laughs> whoa, whoa, boy. All right, Alex, hop on. Time. October 6th, 2021, 11 a.m. Place, apartments, Portland, Oregon. Engage. Let us in. Oh, wait, I still live here. I have the key. Stop. Stop. Whoa, whoa, Grace Scott. Who are you? Don't freak out, dudes. It's us. I mean, it's you. We've been sent from the past, and we can't let you record this episode. Why not? We've been on a time-traveling adventure with Tobin Mitnick, and we've learned that no tree is bad. It's people who are bad. Trees just exist, but people inflict their own morals, judgments, needs, and arbitrary ratings on them. The only reason you hate or like any tree is due to the societal and cultural biases. And while we're at it, past Alex, please stop reading negative emails. It really messes with your self-esteem. Yeah, and past Casey, take it easy on the bike trip you're gonna do in about a year. Uh, and maybe start taking some magnesium supplements. Listen, guys, I know this is a lot, but it's important to us. And it should be important to you. Just because you think apples are bullshit doesn't mean you should promote hate against a tree that did nothing wrong. So, um, does this, uh, does this change your mind? Uh, uh no. Uh, oh. Wait, what, r- really? We really thought, huh, okay. This is, this is our show. We have creative control, right? Yeah, we're not going to let two randos just walk in and start calling the shots. Randos. You know what? You guys have been working so hard this past year. Why don't you take these um, train tickets that I have suddenly and uh, go upstate? Yeah, uh, yeah, there's a nice farm up there where you can enjoy early retirement. Really? That would be nice. I have been wanting to write the great American novel. I'll finally have time. You write that novel. Here, take these. Wow, well thanks, guys. It's our pleasure. Bye now. Shall we 
take our seats, Mr. Clapp? We shall, Mr. Croson. Just in time for a fresh new episode of Completely Arbitrary. (sighs) (sighs) Oh, yeah. Feels good. Yeah, just like home. (sighs) Okay, but, but one thing, Alex. If we sent our past selves away and they don't record it, rather... If they haven't recorded this episode, like the old episode, the episode we do today is completely contextless and meaningless. Not to mention, changing the past changes the future. So will that episode just disappear? Well, will it be as if it didn't exist? What about our business? Didn't we file for an S-Corp like right around this time? Do we need to do that again? They have our passwords. Do we have to re-record every episode we've, rather the ones that they've already recorded? Do we just... Did we just completely fuck ourselves? Thank you so much for listening to Completely Arbitrary's Excellent Adventure. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 